0: Great! Uh, welcome to another episode of Talks with Tea. Today we have with us uh, Martin uh, Tronki from Info Migno. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we briefly know each other from Endeavor, the Endeavor Entrepreneur Network, and uh, one thing I've always noticed from kind of our interactions from afar is uh, you seem to have kind of a uh, uh, you, you controversial mindset so you like to you don't like to stick to the norms I've always when you speak I listen because I always feel like you're gonna say something that uh, that isn't necessarily uh, part of the standard way people think okay thank you it's a compliment <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: no <laughs>
0: I, I take it so I'm gonna try and be okay today not say things that are too <laughs> no I'd rather you do say things that are sure. you know a bit extreme Uh Where did that where where does that come from?
1: Um, It's a very good question. Uh, I think I'm quite interested in politics. I've always have been and since like 10, 12 years old, I read the news and whatever, which is a typical. And so the idea of taking an idea and criticizing it has always been something that is interesting to me and ideas around creativity. I don't like, you know, when you do MBTI, you have a profile of the guy that doesn't want to think like the others, I'm 100% this guy. And you know, it's, I don't know, temperament and the type of family um, we were discussing um, before this podcast, but I I have three elder brothers and, you know, if you want to exist in a family of four boys, uh, you probably have to. (laughs) You have to (laughs) to find a way to stick out. (laughs) Correct. And to have a strong personality and to be creative and to find ideas because you're the little, little one otherwise that everybody ignores. So that might be that. I don't know, to be fair, but (laughs) but, uh, yeah.
0: How, How did you decide to get into consulting?
1: Um, the, the, the story is the following. Um, my passion is politics, uh, as yeah. I said before. Um, at some point, I'd love to go uh, if my wife allows me. So Sabrina, this is a message for you. Uh, if you allow <laughs> me, I will go into politics now. And,
0: and now it's public. So you're you've created a platform to eventually run for the presidency. And Correct. Yeah. In five years now, you know, yeah, right? exactly. five years minus one week. Uh, <laughs> and there is will be a next election in
1: France. Um, no, basically, that always been my dream. I've been passionate about politics, but I in politics, but I don't like is the fact that it's a job for many people, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you, you're, I guess, in Lebanon seeing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's a job, you own it. You will not do what is right because as somehow it becomes your, uh, your 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 resources and all that you have, right? And I said, okay, if I want to go in politics, I want to do it for the. Uh, good of people, meaning I want to be independent. I want to really tell the truth and tell what I think is right and do what I think is right. So I said, I want to be financially independent before I go into politics, to Mm -hmm. get financially independent early enough. Entrepreneurship is the probably the best way, you know. Instead of saving and saving for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. you can make a lot of money quickly. Mm -hmm. Not because I want to spend a lot of money, because I want to be independent and free. Um, So to go into entrepreneurship, you reverse engineer. One of the best ways to see the world of business and access opportunities, create a network is consulting. Consulting is a great, um, you know, a great industry for that. And I said, yeah, if I want to get into consulting, how do I do that? And I had to go and do the best business school possible because it's very uh, hard to get into into consulting. And then, you know, at that time I was at the law university thinking about going to business or going to directly into more politics, political sciences. And I said, okay, let me try and go to business. And I was lucky enough to made it to HEC and then to BCG and so on. So
0: that's the story. So you had kind of the, f- the vision that all these were stepping stones to entrepreneurship and then entrepreneurship is a stepping stone to Yes. Inshallah, <laughs> I say here.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, at some point, what matters you know, is not so much that you deliver on your plan. No. What matters is that you have a plan because that creates grit, that creates motivation. You mm. know, for f- the last 15 years, I've been following that plan, not because I want this plan to work and, mm. and I don't know, maybe I will never do any politics, but at least when I wake up in the morning and I have. You know I have to study to go you know, to, to make it to HEC or I have to work hard at BCG or have to do things in you know in my business that yeah. you know that you have a part of fun and they are all things that are not great you know but I have that motivation because I know yeah. why I'm doing it with a long-term plan I think that grit element is critical and and it's just need to be okay with the fact that it might not lead you where you want it to be or where you were planning initially it's not a problem it helps you for every day and that 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 works out very
0: well yeah, I mean, I think one common theme that I hear from talking to entrepreneurs is being passionate about something like that higher purpose, and then using that higher purpose to give you the motivation, the drive to to keep pushing. I guess in your case, the higher purpose is is you know politics, and yeah. that's um, that's not something kind of building a plan, having a vision for your life. You know, the reality is most people even well late into their life mm-hmm. they don't even ha- they don't even have that right so yeah. what's the point at which you started formulating this realization that shit? i need a plan
1: um i mean i remember the you know the the, the bulb moment i was in my garden <laughs> i was probably 19 years old yeah. 18 years old and i was thinking uh, as I was probably playing with my dog, and yeah. that came to me. Uh, so I didn't say I need a plan and I need to think about it. It just came as a plan. Yeah. And and today, for example, uh, I know exactly what I want to do if I go into politics, step by step, mm. how I want to build that because I think about it on a regular basis. And and and. It, it, it's not like you have a plan and you need to stick to it, but you mm. need to have a plan. And then you see the opportunities and you need to be flexible mm. with things that could be going sideways with your plan. I don't know. Um, so I was it, um, at BCG in Paris mm. and uh, and then, you know, there was an opportunity to uh, start an office in Morocco. Mm. You know, it was frankly, this would my plan, not. Not part of my plan. I was like, it's an opportunity. Let's take it. And then I went to Morocco, and then I moved here to Dubai, and whatever. And at some point, you also need to be opportunistic and taking opportunities as they come. Um, but yeah, um, I think that long-term thinking really is is making a big difference. And I see a lot of people that have a lot of potential, mm. but they are just pushing things. Mm. Just I'm doing good today, and we'll see what tomorrow l- lends me. And instead of pulling in with a goal in mind, and I think, I mean, just pushing could work, Mm. but I would say it's the likelihood of success might be less than when you know why you're doing things and what is your plan. And you don't need to say, okay, 20 years my plan is, but maybe next year, you know, five years down the line, how, how do I want to see myself typically? When I was in consulting, you know, I, it's easy for me now to say, yeah, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and so on. Yeah. Somehow you, you also have the past of bec- becoming a partner and so on, but I was like, do I have people that I want to look like, that I want to resemble, that are a model for me when I was in consulting? They were great people, but I didn't picture myself same as them. So, you know, that pushing thing about, oh, I'm getting next promotion, wouldn't have worked for me. I, I wouldn't have ended up happy of, 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 of my life. Uh, so yeah, um, trying to form plans but not to
0: be too strict, and it's not in an or sheet. <laughs> it's yeah. just my brain. Yeah. And um, so it sounds like that moment in the in the garden was uh, kind of a life defining moment for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah clearly. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. I remember it. I'm sure I'm gonna have flashes for other things that are. But it's true that a lot of the realizations come at a come at a spot moment. Mm-hmm. You have those moments. Once in a while, you can't predict when they're gonna happen. When you're like, okay, now I'm clear about what's coming next, yeah. and it could be for a long term like this moment in the garden, but it could be just around, you know. And and and, and in terms of decision making, what I've seen, which I think is interesting, is you have. Um, moment where you have a lot of options that are opening up. And it's very stressful when you have options. I don't know, you're planning your holidays, you could do A, B, C, or D, and you're like, oh my God. And either you stress out on it and you force yourself into making a decision or you cool with it Mm. and you let it sink. And you're like, at some point, there is clarity coming Mm. by the data, by letting your mind digest things. And suddenly, boom, you got the choice, you got the insight that your decision is easy to make. And I think being relaxed with that and understanding with maturity that it will come, mm. that you you're gonna make your choice without forcing it. Mm. I think it's 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 very interesting to see, and it mm. came to me quite late. I, w- I was trying to make a decision, you know, that Excel sheet where you have your scores. The pros and cons, <laughs> the, pros the matrix, SWOT analysis. Yeah, exactly, and, yeah. uh, and and somehow uh, that doesn't really work, and you, I think m- many people underestimate the power of their brains. Mm. Uh, your brain has an ability to synthesize information mm. and to come to a conclusion that is much uh, better when it's not consciously doing it. See mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are quite a few books that I read about this that tell you, you know, just leave it to instinct. You know, a lot of your brain is not actually in your brain, it's in your spine, yeah. and and these instincts, these reflexes, actually very powerful. If mm-hmm. You start trusting yourself and trusting the ability of your brain to do that without forcing it. And uh, then then I think you can make quite a lot of good decisions.
0: Yeah, no, I, I you know, I think, uh, only later in my life have I started to realize the power of the gut and mm-hmm. instinct, right? And because I've always been very logical, very methodical. And so, you know, the, in, the gut and the instinct relies on that part of logic, but then adds a layer of, you know, in, in French, je ne sais pas quoi, on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can't really explain it, but it just feels right. Yeah, correct. It just feels right.
1: Correct. But actually, it's not the gut. I mean, the gut is full of of neurons. Yeah, and 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 that's data,
0: actually. It's just synthesizing. I guess what you were saying. It's synthesizing data, bringing in variables that maybe you don't even know where variables you should use in your. Exactly.
1: So it is gut. I mean, gut feeling mm. is thinking that is not conscious of thinking in a way. And, and for someone like me and like you, who is very, very rational, yeah. we, we want to control and say, no, I can't make decisions like it's random. No, it's not random. Your gut is not random. It tells you things, yeah. but it doesn't come through the, the normal processing of information in your brain that you word things and so on. But it is thinking nonetheless yeah. and, and learn how to trust it. And the truth is from experience, you see that the good decisions are often very good decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you then, from the habits uh, of, of seeing as a good decision, then you start to trust it a little more.
0: You know, I, I read this book, I don't know if you read it, Mindset by Carol Dweck. No. So it just talks about, a lot of the ideas, it talks about growth mindset versus closed mindset. And growth sure. mindset is this idea that what you're talking about, where you see a failure and you look at it as a growth opportunity. Yeah. So like the simple yeah. example, it starts with childhood actually so as a child growing up if your parents are always like oh amazing you got an a then your parents start rewarding you on the outcome versus on the effort yeah. right and so what the book argues is you should be telling your kid amazing effort you got a C. see what did you learn from this yeah. the way you spent your time yeah. right and so a lot of the way we're growing up in schools is trying to help us avoid failure, because if you wanna get an A, you have to yeah. stick to the game plan, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to get a C if you try something a little bit different, but that's not how school rewards us. Yeah. Um, so for, for me personally, I had to break, cause I was kind of an A student. When I went to college and discovered freedom, I, I started becoming an F student, but that's a different tangent. Um, but I had to kind of break out of that mentality. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going down the similar path, GE, you know, going up the ladder and but it sounds like for you, you kind of always had this mentality of um, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make uh, to have failures. Where, where did that come from? What are kind of uh, memories you have where that kind of approach was encouraged or where you believe it kind of started from?
1: Um, so first of all, yeah, I fully agree. I mean, the power of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset is, cr- is crazy. One other dimension in which having a growth mindset is uh, important is tolerance for different thinking. Mm. If you're a fixed mindset, if somebody comes with a different way of thinking about it, you'll um, just ignore it. Whereas a growth mindset, you'll be a much better listener. So I mm. fully agree. Mm. Um, where does that come from? Uh, I th- I don't know. The fundamental thing I think is, mm. is emotional safety. Um, I I grew up in a family that was um, traditional and it was not about hugging all the time, but I've mm. never doubted that my parents loved me mm. um, and my brothers and whatever. So, you know, they would talk to me about achievements, but never uh, question the fundamental that it would be a smart kid with energy and, and, and so on. And having that, you know, outcome, would not um, be attached to love and affection and in some families and some setups you know children have the feeling that if they achieve they're going to be loved more mm. and that's horrible mm. that's horrible if you don't achieve then I, you're not worth worthy of love um that's 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 not a good thing you know mm. i think parents love should be unconditional mm. and in a way that's what you're sharing you know it's a c but you did a good effort i recognize that and um and 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 also the, there's a there needs to be tolerance as to the way you think. Um, for me, it was never I, I never liked to take the same path as other people to get to potentially the same or different conclusions. Mm. But I was never um, put down on no, stop thinking this way, think this way. Mm. They were probably patient enough to wait for where we'd end up, mm. and if it happened to be. Interesting, smart, potentially giving good results. Then, um, then, uh, then, fine. I have two, two, two examples here. Yeah. One is is I have three children, and my two daughters think in a very different way. Number one, she's by the book, super strict, and so on, and and you can follow her step by step in her reasoning, and it's by the book. So it's easy to know that the outcome is going to be good. Mm. The second, she she thinks in a different way, and and. My wife and I are a little different. My wife would say, no, the first step in your reasoning is not right. I'm like, no, let her finish. Mm. And then you'll understand how she thinks. Mm. And the results are often very good as well. And it's sometimes more creative and so on. So patience is, is, uh, is important. Um, second is when I, when I studied, um, I was in the law university. Uh, in law, you have two strategies. Yeah. Either you learn by heart, or you understand the reasoning. And because law is a logical thing, right? And you can even, the reasoning can be the reasoning of the lawmaker, but also the reasoning of the judge, when you want to assess the the, the outcome of something. Um, And I remember my thinking was always, I want to understand the logic of the law, the logic of the judge, and then I would reach the right conclusions by re doing that reasoning. So mm. I didn't need to learn by heart and I studied much, much less than many others, mm. but the outcome was good. And in the university, you're very free to, you know, to work at your rhythm, how you want and so on. And, and I liked it because I, I probably had a very, very different way to achieving the same result as others, but no one was bothering me in that and gave me that confidence that by reasoning, mm. you could, and it's, it gives you confidence because you do it once, twice, three times and you end up with conclusions that are 90% of the time correct. And then you're like, okay, I can apply that to many things, many other things. And that's, that, was, that was very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the other important aspect of kind of this concept of first principles thinking is it allows you to challenge, right? Mm-hmm. It allows you to challenge that because a lot of the things we know today, a lot of the things we do today are just based on somebody told us. right uh and um and so when you break when your whole uh, foundation is first principles thinking you're just always have this inherent idea of why 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 is it done this way and then sometimes when you break problems down to the core as uh that doesn't make sense right um yeah you know there's this kind of especially nowadays there's this uh i'd say incorrect notion that uh or half correct notion that in order to start a business, you need funding, you need to quit your job, you need VC money, you need, and the reality is, you know, even Bayzat, I mean, we started the company when, you know, when we all had jobs, and then Talal, uh, my brother and co-founder quit first, and we were funding the business, me and Brian, and then I quit, and then Brian quit. And Mm -hmm. so there's this kind of idea, I talked sometimes to people like, oh, I hate my job, and why don't you start something? I don't have the time, I need to quit, I need to find an idea, I need to find a Whether VC, that's, not, that's what, yeah. not how it works. It's finding
1: excuses. For me, that's finding yeah. excuses. And yes, yeah. yeah, so on the funding thing, it's very it's really interesting. Somehow my um, VC was my wife. She was working, she was mm-hmm. making a living for us. She was funding the business. She was funding me, therefore funding the business. <laughs> and uh, and the funny story is that, so I started for a year, I didn't get myself any salary. Then my partner Hamza joined uh, joined me as a co-founder. Um, it was a little more risk-averse, but once we had a First clients, you know, that was sizable, then he joined me, he didn't, he took a cut for his salary uh, Mm. for a year so that we are on on equal terms. And then a few months later, the business was starting to grow and my wife quit her job and joined us. Mm. And and yes, it's a very similar story to yours. Mm. And on the funding part, and there's quite a few businesses where it is very clear and true that you need funding, you need funding because you need to be faster than others. Correct. You need to burn and to be okay to lose money. Yeah. There's plenty of businesses where well, you don't need that. For me, the, the 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 thinking I have on that, and again, uh, basic to first principles, right? Yeah. Funding is money. Okay, yeah. how do you get money in the business? Yeah. Uh, number one, you don't spend. Yeah. Uh, Number one, you're reasonable. Uh, So do you buy yourself the latest Apple computer or Mm -hmm. do you buy like a computer that is gonna do the job for me? Mm -hmm. I I remember I bought uh, old computers for BCG at like like $300 a piece for the first 10 computers I bought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was potentially 2000 bucks saved five thousand bucks saved you know so you be reasonable when i speak to entrepreneurs the the, some say yeah the first thing i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a super good website find an office furnish it and paint it i'm like what the heck i mean do business and then you'll (laughs) do these things uh second is so not spending second is you you make sacrifices i mean what you need to know is the the money you don't raise and the cash you don't pay yourself today is going to worth a hundred times more mm. in a few years. So sure. being very reasonable yourself uh, is, is is critical. Um, then it's clients, you know, clients give you money that's one euro of revenue is exactly the same as one euro of fundraise, yeah. you know, yeah. making 100k of revenue is the same as 100k of fundraise. And again, if you trust your business, it has potential to grow. I mean, giving away equity should be horrible. I mean, it should be the thing you do not want to do. Um, So getting revenue, then getting debt, Mm. then uh, getting equity. And for now, the first thing, yeah, I'm thinking about business, I'm gonna raise 10 million. It's fine, it's okay, but for me, there's a line, a last line of, uh, yeah.
0: of funding you should think of. And, and understanding why you're doing that, right? Like you're, you're absolutely right. In some businesses, being first matters. Like that's the difference between yeah. life and death of the business, right? And so those are really kind of the only, some of the only cases that come to mind where you probably do need to raise.
1: Yeah, and no, I think there's virtue also in controlling yourself as an individual to have other people yeah. looking at your business. Mm. You know, having, you know, some people are uh, maybe not be enough self motivated. Some mm. people told me, you know, oh, you starting in business, that's great because you're going to work less. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no. But <laughs> whoever some, thinks that should some, not get into it. Yeah, some people need to be pushed, and yeah. having an investor might be that. You know, mm. the investor will push you, will increase your level of ambition, and mm. so on. So it's not only about the money. Mm. Um, but the one thing that I've never seen really happening is, mm. ah, I'm coming. I'm not. It's not about. Only about money, but my network is going to help you tremendously. Uh, not really; it's very, very seldom the case. Um, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've I, I heard it. some people say it happened to them, but <laughs> not yeah. really. I mean, at some point, you know, yeah. you get money, and it's just about the money, and it's great. I mean, it's it's enough yeah. to to yeah, 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 to
0: industry. Yeah, justify um, <clears throat> So we'll get into Infominio, but one thing. That kind of led me to reach out to you was you shared a very personal story on LinkedIn uh, a few weeks ago, um, and you know this podcast for me was all about people see the headlines, mm-hmm. the TechCrunch articles about entrepreneurship, but people don't see the the life story behind an entrepreneur, and you shared a very uh, personal and uh, clearly life defining moment on LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay. I need to talk to Martin because this is exactly why I started this whole, this whole show. Do you mind talking, talking oh, sure. about it? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so you had kind of posted about a tough time you went through when your brother passed away from, from cancer mm-hmm. and how that kind of changed your views around life. Can you talk a little bit about that story?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so we have family of four brothers and as yeah. it happens, there were really two pairs. My oldest brother mm. was my um, godfather. So we were very, very close mm. and the two in the middle were very close as well. I mean, we all close, all the yeah, four yeah. of us With together. With those,
0: those pairings, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was uh, it was really um, my mentor and so on. And um, and when he was 29, he got uh, brain tumor. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, as it happens four years um, later, he passed. And it was like, you know, there are movies around things that are made for people to, to, so people cry. Mm. And you know, like, ah, it's exaggerating In that case, he was very much that. Actually, he learned that his wife was pregnant the day before he died. So, um, whatever. It was. Uh, it was um, tough times, and it was quite young. I was just twenty three uh, yeah. when when it happened, yeah. and um, and. I was not ready to uh, handle of things. Um, I'm sorry you went through that. No, no, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's life, you know, and, yeah. and when you think about it, I mean, that post was interesting to say a lot of people reacted and tell yeah. me, you told me uh, it happened to me as well and mm-hmm. had my whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and either you, you think those things are, um, are destroying you and an excuse for not doing A, B or C on the contrary. You you use them and you build on them. And, um, and, and, and for me, obviously it was both, right? I was really sad and still today, I mean, you can hear my voice that mm. I'm still emotional about it, but um, it, it taught, taught me a few things. Um, it told me that life is short mm. and, um, and it can stop at any point in time and mm. it's okay, mm. but you don't want to regret things. Mm. It doesn't mean that you be short term and drinking and taking drugs, yeah. and whatever, but it means that the things you want to do and need to have sort of meaning that they go into something that is meaningful to you. So the way you make your choices, the way you spend your time, this is important. The, the only thing, the only commodity that you can't really, um, multiply this time right so make good use of your time and uh, don't waste it with people that are draining your energy these type of things um that was that was important to me and second it was i think about the relative importance of things when i tell you a failure i don't care mm-hmm. uh, uh, not having money i don't care mm-hmm. because i know what real suffering is like many other people know by the way yeah. and you know you could put everything in relative terms. Yeah, okay, I crushed my business so what? You know, I'm still alive. I still have people that I love and love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, 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 you know, at InfoManual we've worked in quite a few countries. So I've traveled quite a lot in Africa in Nigeria in Ethiopia and Kenya and whatever, you know, and, and you don't see less joy in, in, in people that are poor or whatever. Um, so at some point you realize that what matters is, uh, is things that are not material and things that are um, so, You know, and and, and basically what it gave me is a boost in maturity. I learned things at an early age that people learn later. And I'm, I'm, I'm not glad that my brother passed away. I'm very sad for it, but I'm somehow glad and thankful that it gave me power and maturity earlier than others on some things. And sometimes I have conversations with people that didn't go through the same sort of Um, difficulties, and they tell me about not having that promotion, as, oh my god, this is super important. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? (laughs) And and you can't blame them, because if you don't live something like that, and somehow, I can, in the conversations I have, I can recognize the people that have suffered. And the people that have not yet <laughs> suffered, because it's yeah. just the question of yet. You know, at some point, we all they will all face yeah. um, those type of things, yeah. and and this is this is probably a very strong driver for me. Maybe you know we're discussing about starting a business and having that plan and so on. Maybe none none of that would have happened if if I didn't face those situations. And uh, um, and now it's about yeah you know, at least a hundred ways that that impacts my 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 life today. For example. Um, very stupid things for me that there there is my family is what matters the most to me by far. Mm. So, for my news, a big part of my life. Mm. Uh, but I know, and it's very clear to everyone in my in the company that what comes first, in my family. I want to spend time with them. I want to be them for, there for them, and so mm. on. Mm. Um, and, and, and organize my life around these type of things. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I chose to have an office that is like eight minutes away from, <laughs> from my house <laughs> yeah. in a scooter. So I don't even have a the time to, to park. So yeah. when I'm not working, I'm eight minutes later, giving the bath to my children, having dinner with my wife or, yeah. or whatever. And you know, some of the people may say, you know, I don't care, I'm gonna work for 10 years now you know, give it all go to burnout and then you know, I'll have joy later. Yeah, Uh, I mean, that's, that's clearly not something you you do when you've gone through these type of things, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I think it's very courageous. And I think, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's you put yourself vulnerably out there. And so, you know, I think that takes a lot of courage. So thank you for that. Thank you
1: it's always um on this thing by, by the way it's it's on social media and it's a very different angle to it but, yeah um it's it's a strange and strange beast social media it's mm. it, it requires basically the business model all social media is around your attention mm. and what grabs your attention is things that connect to you emotionally mm. um and and what connects to you emotionally tends to be more personal stories and so on and yeah. and in some cultures, like the French culture, you generally do not tend to share your personal things too much, um, and and finding just your balance on how far you can go in exposing yourself, mm. not being just showing your life like you would on Instagram, mm. is is a is a tricky thing. And when I was publishing that post, I had my I asked my wife to. Um, to read it and to tell me what she thought and she said yeah it's borderline too personal and so yeah. on and i said you know my goal is two things one that people that have similar situations find strength from it and second i'm keeping it on a more of a business side of things what yeah. what does it help you do in business so it's a very fine line um because if you want to get audience it's easy you just put pictures of yeah. yourself and yeah. and tell life stories and so on but that's not something I would be willing to go to. Uh, yeah. to, go to. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, there's, um, I can't remember who came up with it, but there's this triangle in psychology and one of the co- corners of the triangle is is victim. And there's a mirror of those, all those corners on the other side of kind of a developed person. And, and the corner that's victim on the other side of the mirror is vic- Victor. Okay, right? interesting. And so when I hear your story, I think of It's very easy to become a victim in those situations. Say like, oh, why did this happen to me, blah, blah. Um, But in essence, you became a victor because you Mm -hmm. said, what can I learn from this? I'm sure it wasn't like that. It probably took you some time to get to that realization. And so why do you think that happened? How do you think that happened to go from victim to victor? Um, I think
1: it takes energy. if you put a lot of energy in something, I don't know, victim, you would tend to focus on yourself and uh, and it will deplete your energy and you will, whatever, stay on your couch and lament about your life. Mm. When you have a lot of energy, you need to spend it. <laughs> and you know, if you spend a lot of energy, then you will you'll be asking yourself questions and be having discussions and whatever. And then you come to that realization, you process that situation. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, energy, and then, the, I, 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 you know, we're discussing discussing about growth mindset and mm. fixed mindset. I think there is a clear line as well about optimists and pessimists, mm. and and um, I'm I'm a fundamentally an optimist. I think mm. people want to do good. I think um, life is going to be better tomorrow than it was yesterday. Um, when I flip a coin, I am sure it's going to be falling on the right side. True uh, entrepreneur. No, on this one, no, because <laughs> I know it's 50-50. But <laughs> no, but being an optimist, um, you know, will help you go from victim to vector. I think mm-hmm. when you're a pessimist, it's very, very difficult. I am very convinced that your likelihood of success in life is linked to your optimism and positivity
0: and, 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 and so on. So I think that's probably what makes the, um, the shift. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a thing we sh- I shared with my team I think during the midst of COVID. Um, it was a study on, a psychological study on happiness. Um, and if you think about a pie chart, 40, you know, depending on the study, 40 to 50% of happiness is genetic. Like mm-hmm. predisposed to specific hormones that cause. Yeah. The other kind of uh, 50 to 40% is our perception of our circumstances. Yeah. And there's only 10% that is really truly our circumstance that That's affects right. happiness. And so, you know, what most people don't realize is the way we see our circumstance is the biggest thing within our control yeah. that directly affects our happiness. <laughs> and I think most people miss the mark on that.
1: Yeah, and, and one thing is, and now we, knew, we know that your brain is wired from the way you think. And you call that neural pathways. Yeah. And um, and basically, the, the more you think in a way, the more it reinforces this pathway of thinking in a, in a similar way in the future. Yeah. So if you start was a positive mindset in childhood. When your parents say, you fell from your bike, but no worries. You're going to learn. You're going to be very good at biking. You're going to be having that positive mindset and build on that and become a positive person. And it will reinforce itself all the time. And when you have something hard happening to you, you'll say, okay, what is what good is there for me from that? From that? Or if when you're a child, your parents say, it's horrible, be careful, avoid this, avoid that, whatever you're going to be, always looking at the worst outcome of anything you will do and it will shape your brain that way. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when I look at at my education and, and whatever, it was probably pretty much that positivity that was given around trust around, it's not a problem, just you, you fail, you know, mm. are you hurt? Yeah, okay, fine. Cry for five minutes and then move on. Mm. And, and and I think that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, You're in a new stage of the business, if you, where you're uh, now the lowest performing salesperson. (laughs) I'm I'm zero now. (laughs) And so if you break down in into kind of the phases, how would you kind of classify those phases?
1: Um, Okay, so there was infancy. Mm. Uh, Infancy, I would say at first three, four years, Mm. everything is growing, booming. You need to figure out you need to. um, You need to you have a problem. You need to fix it all the time. You did jack of all trades, etc. That was phase one. Then phase two was really teenage age, where you go to, I don't know, 25 people, you have to put in place processes, you're starting having more problems and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and typically growth-wise in you know, the beginning, obviously, obviously you start from very little. So you go 80% a year, 100% mm-hmm. a year and so on. Then you slow down to, I mean, for us, it was 20, 30% a year. Um, <clears throat> and then you need to figure out things, put in, put in place things that are important for your future, like equivalent to life, you need to study and to go Mm -hmm. to university and so on. So you put in place your ERP and your CRM and your processes and your job descriptions and salary grid and so on. It's not the most fun parts of running a business. And now we're, I think in early adulthood, uh, where we're getting back at figures of growth that is just uh, amazing. This year we are more than 60% higher than last year where, you know, it's for us, it means that we're gonna hire 150 people this year, uh, roughly, so that's, that's starting to be, uh, but you're doing that, where you're you're the director of uh, an orchestra and not yourself doing the mm-hmm. things, and you just push on one lever, the other, so um, you sell like hell, so then it's about pushing on recruitment to hire mm-hmm. enough, and then recruitment mm-hmm. is doing an amazing job, then it's about the training team that needs to take over, and it's, it's becoming, like a more, more of a harmony mm. because you're more mature as a business mm. and so on. Mm. And it's really nice to see. And now it's, uh, it's how far it's gonna go. And, mm. uh, and what is interesting and fun and motivating is, you know, I do not see any limit to our growth. Sometimes you have a market that is yeah. X and you're reaching to 80% of X. You're like, okay, I need to find another market. Mm. For us, it's <clears throat> we're just at the beginning of it and we didn't speak a lot about the business, but for many, we do research, we do design, mm. we do language services, we're going to start analytics. For now, we only have one business that is at scale, it's research. All the others are literally booming and they could all be at the same size. So just by diversifying our businesses, we could do four times bigger. and. We were mostly operating on Europe, the Middle East and Africa for our offices in Casablanca and Cairo. We just opened an office in Mexico City. Now the American market is opening for us mm-hmm. and it's going to be literally doubling the potential of the company. So if you take times four on the businesses, times two on the uh, on the geographies you cover, plus next year we're going to go to Asia, we could do 12x what we are today. And today mm-hmm. we are <laughs> 200 people. Yeah. So 12x is like 2,500 people. So I mean, it's just the beginning of adulthood. And in a way, you know, you know when you're 20 something you've not achieved a lot but you're ready to uh to have your professional life and really uh yeah. really achieve so um, yeah that's where we are it's a it's really a really
0: interesting phase that's amazing that's that's super exciting super exciting yeah. it's funny because you know you've been at you've been doing this now for 10 11 years 10 years yeah, yeah. it's funny that sometimes it takes us a lot as leaders to learn to develop and then I feel like something clicks, you yeah. figure it out, and then just the growth curve after that. Crazy. It's like like for me that was a very similar story you and I were talking before the podcast around what's happening with our revenue because of COVID, but I think a part of it was also me stepping out of the way of the business. Mm-hmm. Just to say that actually I need to get the best people I can and I get I need to put them in place so they can run the business and then so I can play that conductor role because yeah. I need to spend the time thinking about the business, not in the business. And so it's interesting that sometimes to make the business grow, you almost need to get out of the way of the business. Yeah. And let other people run the show.
1: Yeah. And by, the way, by getting out of the way of the business is more uh, precisely out of the way of the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And l- just let them be and, and do what they're good at. And then they deliver. It's amazing. Uh, yes, I, 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 fully, I fully agree. And what is interesting, what I've come to realize in, in business is you get get 95% right, you get 2% of the outcome. You get 96% right, you get 90% of the outcome. For some reason, these little tiny thing that you figure out, mm. sometimes you figure out early enough, sometimes it takes you years to mm. realize it. You know, for us, in one of the things we change is the way we call one of the contractual models uh, that we have. Mm. And it was stupid, right? Just the wording changed, nothing mm. else changed. Mm. And our clients, Clicked immediately. They understood much, much better
0: mm.
1: what what we're talking about, mm. and that's just that. And it's true of so many little things. Uh, and and you keep optimizing and changing tiny things, and some have disproportionate effect. That's why I think that that experimentation, mm. that acceptance of failure, is really, really important. It's not just when you start a business; is in the the whole of the life of the business, you have to take risks. Typically. The fact that I, my partner and I stepped up entirely mm. from BD helped the business grow much faster. But the, the thing you're like, okay, if it fails, <laughs> we are. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and actually it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to see that you can take those sort of risks and it's a calculated risk because most of our revenue is recurring anyway. So mm. we wouldn't have had new sales if ever there was a failure and it was okay. But you mm. need to accept the prospect of it's not working out to uncover this thing that is going to make a business
0: boom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a time to spend talking about actually <laughs> the business and the growth story there, but I have a feeling this probably won't be the, the last time we, we speak. Um, a couple of things I really heard you say during the discussion that um, I'll take away from our conversation is just using first principles thinking as a way to have almost unconventional thinking. Um, The idea of making a plan, but not having to stick to it uh, and how important that is to kind of bring success towards you. Um, The other one that really stuck with me is patience. Patience is important to fuel creativity uh, in childhood, but even I think in life and the last one is really, life is short. Uh, make sure you don't have any regrets. And so uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, the, the time flew by. Um, I think, you know, for all our uh, Francophone listeners, you heard it here first. Uh, Martin uh, Tronky for president. Uh, we'll, we'll announce that 2027. 2027. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your time, 20. man. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. <laughs> appreciate it. Take care.